Hallelujah. You ready for the word? Now let's pray. Father, we thank you. We ask and we say there is illumination. The eyes of our understanding is enlightened. There is no confusion in this atmosphere. Every heart can behold you as we see ourselves in you. We say there is illumination and every heart is edified. That's the reason of today's service or today's meeting. And we say your name alone is glorified in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Ah, no, you're not sounding like you mean it. Amen. Amen. All right. We want to finish our series. Uh, we, let's put it, we want to put a peg somewhere on the series we've started about, I think now it's spanning into five weeks, I believe. We've been on this series, um, Who You Are in Christ. And um, we studied this, oh, no, it's not five weeks. We said th 30 weeks because we've been doing it Tuesday, Saturdays, Tuesday, Saturdays. And um, we, let's just see where we can put a peg today. And um, we've been studying so far on who is the believer and the revelation of the believer and what he is. And um, in the last um, time we met, we said that um, a believer has to know who he is from God's word. And we said that edification is the key to growth. And we said in Philemon 1 verse 6, Philemon 1 verse 6, it says that the communication of your faith may become effectual by you acknowledging every good thing which is in us in Christ Jesus. And we say the word acknowledging there is from the Greek word epignosis. It means coming to a full participation, coming to a full recognition, coming to a full understanding of what God has done in Christ Jesus for you. And we said that when you hear God's word, it comes that way. And we studied, we saw Gideon, remember that? We saw Gideon, how many of you remember that? We saw Gideon, we saw Abraham, we saw Sarah, how they held on to God's word, how they saw their, their reality in God's word, and they stood by it. We saw all of those things. And today, we, we just want to see where we can... Just put a peg there, and we'll continue it from there uh, much later. Now, we, 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 we said in Philemon 1 verse 6 again, we said that every believer needs to acknowledge who he is. Because, and we have been doing this, um, we have been doing this theory, we can still do it again. We've been doing this practical, and we've been saying, remember we started from Matthew 16. I mean, if you remember that, when it says, Jesus asked, asked them and said, who the men say that I am? And everybody can, some said, you are John the Baptist. No, you know, those disciples were funny. They saw John the Baptist die in their very presence. So John, John the Baptist was beheaded in their very high. They saw that John the Baptist baptized Jesus. And they were still, and Jesus was asking them, who did the son of man say I am? And they were still saying, you are, so, you are John the Baptist. <laughs> That's funny. Well, let's do that practical again. Now, look at your neighbor and ask, what do you think about me? And, and check, let's, let's check. Let's, let's, let's do that. Let's do that. Practical. What do you think about me? What, when you saw me, what's your first impression? Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's do that first impression. What's your first impression about me? What was your first impression? Or what did you think? Now have a conversation and you see the different, you see those different theory. You see the different theory. Let's do that other one minute. Let's do that other one minute. Let, you see, so how many of you are getting your answers? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, let me, let me see. If, if somebody told you something wrong about you, let me see your hand. 
Oh, wow. One? Just one person? So everybody knows each other? Wow. Oh, you, you somehow. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. That's good. That's, so if I ask you, what do you think about me now? What, do you, what will you guys say? Eh? <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, it says, um, would the men say that the son of man, and Peter stood up and says, said, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus told him and said, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but by the revelation of the Spirit. So everyone needs to come to that full, precise knowledge of who they are in Christ. Now, and we said something very critical. And you know, you, you, I want, there's something I want you to know today, that salvation is a free gift. Salvation is a free gift of God. Salvation is a free gift of God. And it is a free gift of God to, of, um, is a free gift to us in Christ. In Romans 5 verse 8, 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 it says, But God commended his love towards us while we are yet sinners. Christ died for us. So, it says, for God commended his love towards us while we're yet sinners, and Christ died for us. So, Christ died for the believer, even while we're yet sinners. And that is why it is a free gift of God to us, because the very minute um, the gospel was preached to you, you are receiving the sacrifice of what God has done in Christ Jesus for us, and that depicts his love. That depicts God's love towards us. That depicts his love for you. That depicts his love for humanity. That's why John 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. John 3 16, that whosoever believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And you just need to understand that knowledge is salvation's greatest gift to us. You know, we we're just praying earlier that the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So salvation or knowledge is salvation's greatest gift to us. You need to come to that precise knowledge. That's why in Philemon 1 verse 6, it says that, you, that the communication of your faith may become effectual by you acknowledging every good thing in you in Christ. So that is, there is a lot of good things in us in Christ that we don't know. And I tell you, I say, many of our studies and things that we'll keep studying till probably the end of the age will be that we'll be studying backwards. We'll keep finding out what God did the very day you got born again. We keep finding it out. It's just like in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. It says, He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So one of the things you will find out is that, oh, Christ became sin for me. He who knew no sin so that I may be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And that is a substitutionary sacrifice. That is, he took my place. Remember, the, there's this thing that people do when we're younger, when we go to class, when we're younger, and maybe the class teacher want to um, punish everybody and one of, our, one of our zillion students stands up and say, I think I can take the punishment for the whole class. 
How many of you that has happened before? Ah, everybody for <laughs> Some some of some some of students can say can just because they want to prove or show their ego or something, they say I can take the cane or I can take the punishment for the whole class. And they stood stand up. And every all the, everybody becomes free. <laughs> Me, I used to like that thing. I used to. Would you, any, if the cancer is always say, that boy can take it for us. That boy, that boy can take it for us. Praise God. Let's look at John 17, verse 3. John 17, verse 3. John 17, verse 3. We're going to open a lot of scriptures today. Like I said, when you come to church service, you should not be scared of opening scriptures because that is exactly why you came. Look at John 17, verse 3. It says, This is life in Thanau that they might know thee, the only true God, Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So our, our major goal is to know Christ. Are you getting what I'm saying? Look at your neighbor and say, our major goal, no, you're not saying it like you mean it. Say, our major goal is to know Christ. Look at 1 Timothy 2 verse 4. 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 Look at it. It says, Who will have all men? I, I'll wait for you. I'll wait for you. First Timothy 2, verse 4. 1 Timothy 2, verse 4. I'll wait for you. Are you there now? It says, Who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth? So that is the knowledge of the Son of God. So you will see a lot of Christians. They just stop at, oh, I'm, at least I'm saved. I believe the gospel. You, you, you preach to them and say, ah, at least I believe the gospel. I'm just a churchgoer. But do they really understand? Have they come to the knowledge of the truth? And so it's not just, oh, I'm saved. The Bible says in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, it says, it says go and teach the disciples. Go and teach the gospel. Preaching to them, oh, uh, you leave the sick. Uh, what does it say? Making them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. So our due responsibility as Christians is to also walk in line with the scriptures. Come to thumbs with the scriptures. In Luke 24, verse 25 to 27, the Bible says, All fools and slow of heart to believe, all that the prophet has spoken, of not Christ to have raised again from the third, from, um, from, from on the third day. He now says, I'm beginning from Moses and all the prophets. He began to expand unto them the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So everyone's responsibility or every believer's responsibility is to come to the knowledge of the truth. So it doesn't just stop at you being saved. No. Are you getting what I'm saying? It doesn't just stop at, oh, I'm saved. That's all. I'm, at least I attend church. But do you re are you growing spiritually? Are you growing with the gospel? Are you learning the truth of the gospel? Are you coming to much light of the gospel that you have believed? It's just like saying you came into, um, let's say you came into America today or you came into Rochester today and you just sat at home all through. You didn't get an ID. You didn't get, you didn't get a job. You're just staying at home, just staying at home. You don't even want to experience the culture. You don't want to go around. You don't want to just staying at home. That is how it is for a man who has gotten born again. The man is just there. But you have to grow. And you grow with the knowledge of Jesus. You grow and come to a precise and full recognition of Jesus. That is spiritual growth. That is you knowing Jesus. That's knowing who you are. Look at in Ephesians 4 verse 13. Ephesians 4 verse 13. 
Ephesians 4 verse 13. Look at this. I'll wait for you. Ephesians 4 verse 13. I'll wait for you. Ephesians 4 verse 13. Ephesians 4 verse 13. It says, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. So this is what makes the faith one. When we come to the knowledge, when we come to the perfect man, we come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So, and that is the essence of coming to a local church or growing in a local church because it helps you grow and commit to God's word. So, when we are precise, that is what affects us. Look at in John 4, verse 10. 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 He says, And Jesus asked and said, And Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. That's recognition. That is, if you have recognized me, you wouldn't have just been thirsty. You would have just said, Ah, give me the living water. That's recognition. So we have, we have seen, seen that this knowledge is embedded on Jesus. And I told you and I said, this knowledge is embedded on Jesus' resurrection from the dead. After that, Jesus rose from the dead. John 16, verse 12 to 13. All truths proceeded from his death and his resurrection. John 16, verse 12 to 13. It's going to make sense soon. John 16, verse 12 to 13, it says, I have many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. It says, how be it when the spirit of truth has come, it will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he hear, that he shall speak, and he will show you the things to come. What were the things to come? The death, the burial, and the resurrection, as at the time it was written. So, all truth preceded from the death and the resurrection of Christ. So, there is so, because before then, there were so many limitations. That is, what limits us on what was seen and what was known. In Luke 10, verse 24, Luke 10, verse 24, Luke 10, verse 24. Like I said, you should not be afraid of opening scriptures in this, in, when you come to a church service. Look at Luke 10, verse 24. For I fear you, that many prophets and kings have desired to see the things which ye see and have not seen them, and those things which ye hear and have not heard them. Now, this was referring to the Old Testament scriptures because they were hoping to see Christ. In Hebrews 1, it says that they hope for, in Hebrews 12, that they hope faith is the subject of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So, the, the men in the Old Testament were hoping for something. They were hoping to see Jesus. So just like the kings like David, prophets like Abraham, Isaiah, even in the four Gospels. So if the four Gospels were superior in the knowledge of them, yet they needed to grow in the knowledge. 
They needed to come to that precise understanding. And we have that privilege now because Christ has risen from the dead. Hallelujah. So we have the privilege and the understanding to know him. So in knowing him, that's why the right, look at in Hebrews 11. Look at Hebrews 11 verse 40. Hebrews 11 verse 40. Hebrews 11 verse 40. Hebrews 11 verse 40. It says, God has provided some better things for us that they without us should not be made perfect. So that they without us should not be made perfect. So he's just talking about the Old Testament and how they didn't even have much of what we have today. Now, so the believer's mirror is found in the epistles. When you look at the epistles, you will see what God has done for you. You will see the beautiful things, the in Christ realities. So your mirror is in the epistles. I, but now I can, I can actually safely say your mirror is in the scriptures, but let's just for the sake of this teaching say your mirror is in the epistles. The believer's mirror is in the epistles. He must be found seeing himself. It's just like when somebody tells you, oh, you know you're a liar, and you know you don't lie. That is how we think God's word has. Because when we see God's word, we see our reality that way. So anything that is contrary to God's word, I was telling us last week I said, when Abraham, or when we look at in Judges, look at in Judges, uh, let's go back to that Judges where we read about, uh, uh, what's this guy? We read about Gideon. Look at in Judges 6. Judges 6, verse 11 to 12. Judges 6, verse 11 to 12. Because you must be found seeing yourself in Christ. Judges 6, verse 11 to 12. Judges 6, so a believer must be found seeing himself. Look at in Judges 6, verse 11. Are you there? All right, see. Now it says, it says, And there came an angel of the Lord, and he sat upon a hope, which was at Hopra, and pertained to Joash, Abirat, and the son of Gideon, trust with by the wearing press, to hide it from the Midianite. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with thee, that mighty man of valor. But look at what Gideon was saying. Now, God's word is with thee. He has heard God's word now, but he's not ready to receive it. Look at him. Look at him, verse 13. And Gideon said, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord has been for us, why is all this befalling us? Like, why is all these things going on with us? And where we heard the miracles which our father told us of. Did not the Lord brought us out from Egypt, but now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us to the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him in verse 14 and said, Go in this might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hands of the Midianites. And he now says, Have I not sent thee? He was reminded. He was reminded of his identity. Look at in verse 15. And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith I shall save Israel, behold, my family is poor. I am the least in my father's eye. He was still complaining. Look at in verse 16. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianite as one man. So he was reminded of who he was. He was reminded of who he was. 
he was reminded we must keep looking at God's word. That's why in James 1 verse 25, it says, we must not be forgetful hearers of the word. You must not forget who you are in God's word. And that's why the scriptures are given to us. In 2 Timothy 3 verse 15, it says, All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness. No, that's 16. Verse 15 is, As from a child thou hast known the holy scripture, which is able to make thee wise through salvation in faith in Christ Jesus. So, and that is referring to the Old Testament book. So we must see ourselves in the scriptures. So we mustn't see ourselves in most of the characters, but we must pick things that pertain to our distinction and see it. Look at in Matthew 5, verse 43. Matthew 5, verse 43. Matthew 5, verse 43. You're going to love this, don't worry. Just hold on. Matthew 5, verse 43. It says, You have heard, it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor, but thou shalt hate the enemy. Now, when he says, now look at him, verse 43. He says, You have heard. Where have they heard it from? The scriptures, Genesis to Malachi. What Moses told them. It says, you have heard that as by itself thou shalt love thy neighbor and thou shalt hate thy enemy. Now, that's Moses giving that verdict. But Jesus was correcting it in verse 44. Look at what Jesus said in verse 44 of that same text, Matthew 5. Matthew 5, that same verse 44. He says, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Now, but if you, if you want to be a mischievous reader of God's word, you know they are mischievous readers. They will tell you, the Lord Jesus even told you to hate your enemies. You know, that's not what the scripture there is saying. I don't know if I'm making sense. You know, some mischievous reader will read it. They will say, it is even in red letter. It is in red letter. Jesus said that you should hate your enemies. But Jesus was saying, you have heard. You must learn to read things in conversation. Learn to read, especially the four gospels, read it in a conversation manner. Read it like, oh, okay, I'm trying to understand what is going on here. That's the essence of pre-test, contest, and post-test. You must understand the context of what, a conversation. So he says, you have heard. But look at what Jesus is saying. He says, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them that despisefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your father. You know why he's saying you may be? It is as a result of they have not become children now. What makes them children? As a reason of the resurrection. Are you getting it now? The reason of the resurrection made them become children. We studied this last time. It is as a result of the resurrection we have become sons. As a reason of the resurrection we become children of God. We can safely say children of God. A man who has not believed the gospel cannot say I'm a child of God. Are you getting what I'm saying? A man who has not believed the gospel cannot say I'm a son of God. It is the resurrection that gives us that status. So that's why he's saying that ye may be the children of God, that you may be the children of your father, which is in heaven. So, you know, that might be tough. Why should I hate my enemy? Why should I be praying for my enemies? And praying for my enemies, no. You know, some mischievous people now read it as praying for my enemies means pray judgmental prayers. 
The Bible, they will tell you, the Bible said we should pray for our enemies. It did not give us a prayer point. That's mischievous. <laughs> they will say, the Bible says we should pray for our enemies. It didn't say, it didn't give us a prayer point. But the same Bible is telling you to love that enemy. So when they say you should love enemies, they say you should not be judgmental over the enemy. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. So we must take initiatives from our Father. We must take initiative from our Father. So, we must see God's word. It's just like, now let's look at another instance in Luke, 5, Luke 9, verse 54. Let's take another instance in Luke 9, verse 54. It's going to get very exciting soon. Luke 9, verse 54. Luke 9, verse 54. Now, look at what happened. It says, and when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, without command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elijah did. You know, people pray those prayers today. Oh God of Elijah, send down fire. Let it consume my enemy. Let it consume this. Look at what Jesus said in verse 55. And he thought, mischievous people will not read this to you. <laughs> in verse 55, he says, and he thought and rebuked them and said, Know ye not what manner of spirit ye are of. He says, look at in verse 56. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's life. Hallelujah. But to save them. And they went to another village. Hallelujah. So it's not meant to destroy one's life, but to save them. So they, and you know why they could ask Jesus that question? They did not know him. They are still trying to figure Jesus. That's why they could simply take out and tell Jesus and say, ah, call down fire now. You know, if they know him, if they know his personality, they won't say that. Are you getting what I'm saying? They wouldn't have said that. So they said that because they lacked recognition. And that's why some people still do it today. Some people will be singing songs like, when the spirit of the Lord is upon my soul, how we dance like David dance. Ha, not, <laughs> not today. Go back to David's time and go and dance that dance. <laughs> Hallelujah. Don't say, ah, are you not dancing? You do it. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> David, <laughs> David didn't need the spirit to dance. He danced with all his might at that time. Some people will say, now, uh, let me see which other one that people say again. Um, eh? Which one? Lord of Elijah, send down fire. No. <laughs> Lord of Elijah, send down fire. No. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on. So we had those. Um, we have. We have those examples. Some, some will say something like, you know, surely good. Um, ah, there's one. Who, I'm trying to remember that one. Surely, surely, surely something. No, it's not that one. No, it's not that one. That way is even, even a bit good. Uh, uh, don't worry. I'll, I'll, when I figure it out, I will, I will let you know. So, all right, let's go back to what we are studying. So, we need to come to that full recognition of what Christ has done. We need to come to that full recognition of what Christ has done. 
So it's just like the it's just like uh, uh, the disciples. The disciples spoke about Jesus and the character of God. If only they knew the character of God in that Luke 9, they would not have said what they said. In Hebrews 12 verse 2, 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 It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our feet, who for the joy which that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame that is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So away from the cloud of weaknesses, Jesus was known. Look at in Hebrews 1 verse 1. It says, God who has sundry times and in diverse manners has spoken in the time past to the prophets. Now, the prophets there means just like David and all of those people. Just like when David was saying, when the Spirit of the Lord is upon my soul, all of those things. Now, one thing you must know about those prophets is that they are they were foreseeing Christ. Acts 2 verse 30. Those prophets were foreseeing Christ. Acts 2 verse 30. Acts 2 verse 30. They were foreseeing Christ. It says, Therefore being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with the hope that the fruit of the Spirit and the law is according to the flesh that he will raise up Christ on his throne. So they were foreseeing Christ that the house of God is in him. The house, just like when he was saying, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do, do you know that it was Solomon that built the house, not even David? So David could not have been refined to the house. Remember, David said in Psalms, he says, Surely I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He wasn't talking about the physical location or the physical temple. Because he didn't even build the house or the temple. It was Solomon, his son, who built it. So he couldn't have been refined to a physical building. He was making us to understand that the house of God is in Christ. The house of God is in Christ. And he has made us that house today. Hallelujah. So we need to recognize Jesus. We need to come to that full recognition of what Christ has done for us. We need to come back there. Look at him. Now, let's go back to, I, I did all of those things as a preamble. Now, let's see, go back to our Philemon 1 verse 6. Let's go back to our Philemon 1 verse 6. It says that the communication of your faith may become effectual by you acknowledging every good thing which is in you, in what? In Christ Jesus. I'm sure you should have been familiar with this scripture by now because I, I say it so much. Hallelujah. So, you, you, we can only be well recognized in Christ. Now, your identity is known in Christ. Your identity is not known by what the word defines it as. I explained to you last week and I said, your identity can't be found in what somebody tells you about yourself. Your identity is found in Christ. And I said, if someone keeps telling you, you are a failure, you are a failure, you are a failure, you are a failure, subconsciously, you are going to start thinking about it that you are actually a failure. 
If somebody keeps telling you, you can never live righteous, you can never be righteous, you, you are a sinner, you are a sinner, you can, there's nothing you will do you're, that you will do that will make you righteous, you are, you are always going to be a sinner. I mean, if you growing up, you just felt like this Christianity thing is so hard, I just don't want to serve God because if I do any little thing, I'm going to miss heaven, this and that, I can't serve God, I can't serve God. It's not like the more you try, it's the more you keep failing, it is because of what you were fed. Imagine you were thought your realities that you were the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That the very minute you got born again, you became righteous. How much more, how would you have lived life? Are you getting what I'm saying? The Bible says, he that is dead from sin cannot even live in sin. We can't live in sin. He says we should walk in the newness of life. Hallelujah. Walking in the newness of life. Because we know our reality. John 14 verse 20. John 14 verse 20. We've been using John a whole lot these days. Do you know that? And that day ye shall know that I am the Father and ye in me and I in you. This is the day. Christ is now living in you. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 17. It says you are one spirit with the Lord. Christ has made his home with you. He has made you his habitation. He has made you his sanctuary. You are that temple. Now your Bible says in, in that same 1 Corinthians it says you are the temple of the Lord. Your body is the temple of God. The temple of God means God's habitation, God's dwelling place. Your body now houses God. I want you to think about that. That God now lives in the believer. Hallelujah. God now lives in you. So you need to feed yourself with that reality. And this is the day. And it says, at that day in John 14 verse 20, at that day ye shall know that I am in the Father, and ye in me and I in you. This is the day. We are found in him. Colossians 3 verse 3. Colossians 3 verse 3. We are found in Christ. Hallelujah. Say I'm found in Christ. No, no, you're not saying it like you mean it. Say I'm found in Christ. Oh my God, you're so dull. I'm found in Christ. Colossians 3 3. I'll wait for you. I want you to see this. I'll wait for you. I want you to see it with your eyes. Colossians 3 verse 3. Colossians 3 verse 3. It says, for ye are dead. How did you die? Via the reason of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. It says, for ye are dead, and your life is what? Eat in Christ in God. How did you die? Now, let's go to Romans 6. We did that last week. Uh, let's do it again. Let's go to Romans 6. Let's see how did we die. Someone say, you know, you're going to die very soon. Tell them I'm dead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No, somebody, no, if, if someone who is dead cannot, you can't die twice now. Hallelujah. It's all the, ah, you're dying tomorrow. I have died before. I'm oh, sorry. Is it, are you telling me what, have, what has happened before or what? Are you trying to announce to me? Look at Romans 6. Let's see it, Charles. Let's see it. Look at Romans 6. Let's start from verse 3. Romans 6, verse 3. Romans 6, verse 3. Are you there? I'll wait for you. It says, know ye not that so many of us that were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into what? Is that? Verse 4. Therefore, we were what? That is identification. 
What happened to Jesus happened to us as a reason of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. So look at what he says. He says, therefore, we were buried with him by the what? Look at it, look at it, look at it. By what? Baptism into death, that as like Christ raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so you should do what? Walk in the newness of life. Look at it in verse 5. He says, for we have been planted together. Who is the person he's talking about now? Christ and you, Right? Right? All right. It says, well, we have been planted together in the likeness of what? In the likeness of his death. We shall also be in the likeness of his what? Not now. Not, not in the future. You are like that now. That is why in 1 John 4, he says, as he is, so are what? So are you. Is it make, if it makes sense to you, let me see your hands. Oh, okay. Thank God. All right. Look at in verse 6. Look at it, verse 6. It says, knowing this, that our old man is what? Crucified with him. That means your old man of sin, your old man of shame, your old man of death is crucified with him. So the very day you got born again, that old man was gone. Hallelujah. That is why he says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, he says, he that is a new creation. He says, for every, how did he say that scripture? He says, for, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creation. A new creation means a new species, a new kind of human. Hallelujah. And he is forever new. A new creation doesn't mean today because, oh, maybe you got born again in 2005 or something. So because now this is 2022, right? You are now an old creation. No, you are forever new. That's what the Bible says in Lamentations. It says the mercies of the Lord are new every morning. Hallelujah. Is it making sense to you now? Look at this. Let's read on. This is, for we are planted together in the likeness of his death. We shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, and the body of sin might be destroyed. So that body of sin, that ability to sin, that, that doldrum of sin, that, that nature that makes you want to do wrong things has already been crucified. So you can't even struggle with your Christian life anymore. Because the ability and that nature of the devil with you, because you know in Ephesians 2, the Bible says that um, among um, in whom you had your conversation in time past, that you walked in flesh and you are sons of all children of disobedience. So before you got born again, that was your nature. But now that you have received the gospel, that old nature was gone. Now that's why he says, he says hey, that henceforth we should serve. We should not serve sin. Look at verse 7. I want everybody to look at it. Look at it. In verse 7. It says, for he that is dead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For he that is dead is what? Free from sin. Because is Christ struggling with sin now? Because he's resurrected. That is the same nature of the believer today. For he that is dead is free from sin. Now look at verse 8. For now we be dead with Christ. Hallelujah. Say, I'm dead with Christ. See, somebody come and threaten you and say, I will show you people, you'll die tomorrow. Oh, tell the person, I've died. <laughs> I've even woken up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. It says, now, nah, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also, what? Live with him. Look at it in verse 9. Look at it in verse 9. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. He says, death has no dominion over him. 
Look at in verse 10. For he, for in he that he died, he died unto sin once. But he that he liveth, he liveth to God. Look at in verse 11. Now say, likewise. He's now telling you now. Now you guys. Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to what? Reckon means pay attention. Recognize these things. Put it to your heart that this is what has happened to you. Because if you don't know that this is what has happened to you, you will keep struggling with your Christian life. Hallelujah. You will keep struggling and say, ah, Christianity is hard. All these church people and everything, prayer. Oh, just, uh, but that nature was gone. So that is why you need to keep feeding on the reality of who you are. Hallelujah. So he says, my life is hid in Christ. My life is hid in Christ. Colossians 1 verse 27. Colossians 1 verse 27. He says, to whom God will make known what is the riches of his glory, of the mystery according among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. So Christ is in me. Hallelujah. Christ is in me. The hope of glory. So Christ is in me. John 14 verse 23. John 14, verse 23. John 14, verse 23. Hallelujah. I don't struggle with sin. I don't struggle with sin. My life is hid in Christ. John 14, verse 23. It says, And Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my father will love him, and we will come to him and do what? Make our abode with him. So Christ is making his abode with us. He's living, he's dwelling with us. So, and it is a permanent residence. Ah, yeah. God's permanent residence is my, is my heart. God's permanent address. If the Lord say, where's the address of God? Ah, this is it. Hallelujah. If somebody, look at your neighbor and say, God's address. No, you're not saying it like you mean. Say, God's address. Is you is in you, and it is permanent. You know you you can move from one city to another, change house, but God does not do that. <laughs> Hallelujah. God's address is with me. So so you want to look at God. So now let's do something. So if you want to, you know, when we come to a church service, in our minds we first think we want to see. Okay, God is in heaven. God is in heaven. Oh, God is in heaven. But the truth of the matter is, God is beside you. The Bible says in Matthew, Matthew says, when two or more people are gathered together, is what? I see in their midst because you brought God into the service. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You came with God. God is here now, right? You know, if we all leave this building, God might not be here because it's just a building. Or you are still in that ritual of you want to go and pray on the altar and <laughs> pray on the poop. How many of you did that thing when you're growing up? You go and pray, you feel like God was in one podium somewhere and that's the only place that prayers can be answered and you just need them and you're like don't disturb me even in fact you off your shoes before you climb on those places <laughs> no god is with you hallelujah god is with you hallelujah glory to god god is with me Look at it in verse 16, that same John 14, verse 16. Says, I will pray the comforter and he shall give you, he said, I will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter that he will do what? He will abide with you what? Forever. Hallelujah. So he's abiding in me forever. 
You're not, you are saying it like he's abiding in me forever. So he's, he's in the everlasting estate with you. And the sonship of God, there's nothing mere status. It is in nature. First John 3 verse 1 to 1. First John 3, 1 to 2. First John 3, 1 to 2. First John 3, who you are in Christ. First John 3, 1 to 2. It says, Behold, what manner of love the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called what? The sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we what? The sons of God. He says, At it doth not appear when it shall be, but we know that when we shall appear, we shall be like him and we shall see him as he is. So we are sons of God. And I've explained to you in the previous, um, in the previous sections we've had, and I said that, in, um, that it's not as if you are maturing from child to son. No, it is the same. You grow and you are a son. Hallelujah. The very minute you become born again, you preach to somebody today and the God's born again today, that guy is a son of God. Say, I'm a son of God. I'm a son of God. You're not saying it like you mean it. Say, I'm a son of God. So you have a spirit, you have his nature, you are his son. Romans 15, Romans 8 verse 15 to 16. Romans 8 verse 15 to 16. I need to get very fast now. Romans 8 verse 15 to 16. It says, for ye have not received the spirit of you have not received, let's start from verse 14 anyway. It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. It says, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby ye cry, Abba, Father. Or it says, the same spirit bears witness to our spirit, that we are the children of God. So the spirit is his nature. And we have that nature now. Hallelujah. I have the nature of God. Galatians 4 verse 6. Galatians 4 verse 6. Galatians 4 verse 6. So you have a lot of scriptures to show you your reality in Christ. It is an, it is an infallible proof of scriptures. You just have so many to show you. Look at Galatians 4 verse 6. It says, because ye are sons, God has set forth his spirit into his son, into his, your heart. God has set forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. So you need to understand the benefits and work in it. First John 4, verse 4. 1 John 4, 4. 1 John 4, 4. Like I said, I want to get a bit faster now. 1 John 4, 4. So if you are writing, you have to catch up with me. 1 John 4, 4. 1 John 4, 4. It says, Ye are of God, little children, and you have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. You know why we say greater is he that is in me? Why? Because God lives in me. Hallelujah. God is bigger than challenges. God is bigger than problems. God is bigger than whatever um, confusion and trials is going, on, going around the world. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. So we are of God. We are God's breath. We are new species of man. The old man, Adam, is dead. And the new man in Christ is in life. 
Hallelujah. So you must behold it. That is why it says, since in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, 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 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It's a popular one. You should know that. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, all things are passed away. It says, behold, that will behold, please pay attention. Look at this. Pay attention. Look at this. Behold, all things have become new. Hallelujah. So you need to feed on it till it becomes your lifestyle. You need to keep feeding on the reality of that. Keep feeding on it. Keep feeding on it. Keep, keep, keep it on your heart. That's why James 1 verse 25. Look at James 1 verse 25. <laughs> Sorry, you're going to open a lot of scriptures. James 1 verse 25. Get used to it. Hallelujah. Get used to the scriptures. Tell your neighbor, say, get used to the scriptures. James 1 verse 25. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he said, he be not a what? Forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed indeed. So you must not be a forgetful hearer. You must not be. You must not be a forgetful year. It says, and continue daring. That word daring was intelligent. It means you continue to look. You continue to look. Even when your conduct is not unbecoming of sons, even when you are not behaving like a son, keep looking. Don't give up. Just keep. It's just like saying, you know that money is yours. You are, you're on a journey to that money. You keep going. You keep going. I, I use money for this because I know that's what will make anybody stand up from their bed and... Um, want to leave, let's say this is your bed, if they tell you money is on that door, you will stand up and run there. Am I lying? Me, I will even stand up. Sorry. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, you keep looking, you keep looking, but if you fall down, you will stand up again, right? Because you have not gotten to where your money is, right? You fall. <laughs> I trust people. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> so, you keep looking. Even when your conduct is unbecoming of sons, you keep looking. Even in the Corinthians church, in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 2, they were unbecoming of sons. <laughs> Corinthian church, wow. Look at it, verse 2. Verse, in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 2, it says, Do you not know that saints shall judge the world? Now, this is a reality you need to understand. I want you to go there. I want you to go there. I want you to go there. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 2. 1 Corinthians 6, 2. 1 Corinthians 6, 2. Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? It says, and if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? So they didn't know they had become judges. Christians have become judges to judge the world and angel. Look at it, verse 3. Know ye not that ye shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? And they were acting beside their nature. That's why Paul was telling them in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 3. Look at backtrack to verse 3, chapter 3, verse 3. It says, For ye are yet carnal. Whereas there are among you having strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? So they were not even becoming as they were not all becoming as sons. They were not acting their nature. But Paul was reminded and said, ah, guys, don't you know that you will judge angels? Don't you know that you will judge saints? You will judge things pertaining to this world. But yet their conduct was unbecoming. So you keep looking and keep feeding on God's word. 
It is not to say, no, people will say, ah, it's a license to sin. Don't hear the devil. <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying? Don't hear the devil. It's not a license to sin. You are only getting, you are only learning how to become better. Are you getting what I'm saying? I'm not saying, leave this door and say, ah, they say, <laughs> they say we should keep doing what we want to do <laughs> till we become like sons. No. You have to feed on God's word. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, and that's why Jesus spoke about that earlier in, in John 10, verse 34. John 10, verse 34. Get used to scriptures. Get, John 10, verse 34. Tell your neighbor, say, get used to scriptures. Then 10, verse 34. It says, he answered and said unto them, he says, is it not written in the law? I said, ye are gods. Gods. This is referred to magistrates in the Hebrew language. Gods, rulers. Those who took judicial decisions and granted justice. Gods. You are gods. Judicial decisions and granted justice. Look at in Psalm 82 verse 6. Psalm 82 verse 6. Tell your neighbors, say, get used to scriptures. <laughs> Psalm 82 verse 6. Psalm 82 verse 6. Psalm 82 verse 6. I have said, ye are gods, and all of you are what? Children of the Most High. Even the pretext says it all. Look at it. In verse 1 of that same Psalm 42, God standing in the congregation of the mighty, he judged among what? Among what? The gods. We'll st- this thing called God's name. Put it somewhere. Put it as a peg. We'll study much later, years to come. Hold it somewhere. We'll study what those things all means. Now, how long will you judge unjustly and accept the person of the wicked, defend the poor of the fatherless, the justice and afflicted of the needy, deliver the poor and the needy and get rid of the hands? Of the wicked in verse 6, and I told them, I have said, Ye are gods. Now it's giving you a background of things they do. They refer to rulers and all people who gave judgment, just like Moses to Pharaoh, Exodus 7, verse 1. Moses to Pharaoh in Exodus 7, verse 1. Exodus 7, verse 1. Moses to Pharaoh. I'm still explaining that ye are gods, and you want to judge angels and all of those. That's what I'm still explaining. Exodus 7, verse 1. It says, and the Lord said unto Moses, he says, I have made thee what? A God to Pharaoh. And Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. A God to Pharaoh. So not God referring to deity now because that's not possible. You can't be a deity. But God referring to a judge. Someone who takes authority over. Someone who gives judgment to you. Precede, you must precede a man to be his God and God to us and all of those things now. So Jesus refers to judges. It refers to us as judges and all of those things. So in Christ, we have received the capacity to judge. One of the things we have received the capacity is to judge. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 15. 1 Corinthians 2, 15 to 16. I'm still explaining that. 1 Corinthians 2, 15 to 16. 1 Corinthians 2, 15 to 16, we have the capacity to judge. Now, and the judging things is not, oh, you now become one God and be judging, okay, this is the sinner, this is not the sinner. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you, you have the, to rule over certain things, to give decisions, to, to, to grant justice. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 2, 15 to 16. 1 Corinthians 2, 15 to 16, it says, but he that is spiritual, do what? Judgeth all things, yet he himself is judge of no man, for 
who hath known the mind of the Lord that he might instruct him, but we have what? The mind of Christ. So we have the mind of Christ. We can judge things. We have the mind of Christ. The Corinthian brethren didn't know this, so they were acting like men. So, you know, when you're a son of God now, you start seeing your nature. You are going to judge angel. So you see your, you have a little right over angel. Angels are your messengers. So you start behaving like it. Are you getting what I'm saying? You know, if they tell you you are the president of the United States of America today, you start behaving like the president. You start giving speech like a president. Hello, Americans. Your voice, your accent will change. Your voice, your charisma will change. Your suit will be gated. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? You have to carry yourself in that office, right? Now, that is what, the, that's what Paul was reminding the Corinthian church about. Carry yourself in this nature. That, guys, you are going to even judge angels. Angels are looking at you now. Walk in your nature. Stop behaving like carnal men. Are you getting what I'm saying? That is the nature. So a Christian must see himself as who he is in Christ. So the Father has given all judgments to the Son. John 5 verse 22. John 5 verse 22. John 5 verse 22. The Father has given all judgment to himself. John 5, verse 22. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. So, and that is the first begotten Son. So, that is why it says, look at it in verse 24. Look at it in verse 24. There it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word, and believeth on me, that hath sent me, and hath everlasting life, shall not come into what? shall not come into what? Condemnation. But it shall be passed from death to life. So our boldness in the day of judgment, because we have believed the gospel, not judgment of believers. We are not judging believers and say, ah, you are going to hell. We are not telling the believers and say, you are going to hell. No. Sons are in judge at that. In verse 24, I'll read it again. It says, Verily I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that has sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but he is passed from death to life. So it is the judgment of the word. So when you preach the gospel, you know you are judging men. Hallelujah. Because you are giving them to choose. I give you this day to choose life and death. The one you choose, that's your portion. You have judged them now. You have given them indemnation. You have given them life. Hallelujah. You know, preaching the gospel is judgment. Oh, you don't know? Ah, look at it now in verse 24. It says, Very like, say unto you, that heareth my word and believeth on him, has passed and hath everlasting life. He shall not come into condemnation. You know, it's the person that you judge wrongly that will go into condemnation. Don't think it too far. Don't think it too far. Don't think it as, ah, oh, yeah, angel, sit down here. Let me give you your report. You don't know what they are doing now. <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying? Because I know your head is thinking straight like that. Ah, ah, I shall judge angels. Ah, ah, me, wow, really? <laughs> we'll study almost those things later. Praise God. First John 4, verse 17. Look at First John 4, verse 17. So we judge as God judge. Praise God. First John 4, verse 17. First John 4, verse 17. First John 4, verse 17. It's a wearing our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the what? They of judgment. Because what? 
as he is, so are we in this world. So we judge as he does. Because we are as he is. So it's not by our works of own, our own righteousness, but by his righteousness. Philippians 3 verse 9. Philippians 3 verse 9. So a believer must learn to see himself in who he is. See, I learn to see myself as Christ has made me. Philippians 3 verse 9. He says, I'm being found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that is, that is, but that is true faith in Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So, not by our own righteousness, but by his righteousness. So, one thing, as I, as I round up now, one thing you must learn to do is you must learn to see yourself in this reality. Hallelujah. You must learn to immerse yourself, soak yourself in this reality. Don't forget in Romans, it says, you are now walking in the newness of life. Now, it's a new world entirely. You are trying to figure it out. All you were used to, before you got born again, was a life of this, was a life of sin, was a life of lies. Was a li- lies was natural to you. Lies, lies was, um, uh, stealing was natural. <laughs> Still, it was natural to you and all of those things. Um, different addictions was natural to you and all of those things. But now that you are born again, the Bible says in Romans 12 verse 2, it says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you will feed God yourself with God's word so much and you will soak yourself with the reality of who you are in Christ. And that changes you. Hallelujah. That changes the believer. That changes your, your identity. In Ephesians 2 verse 6, it says you are seated together with Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you have to feed yourself. Say, I'm a son of God. I'm a son of God. So sons of God, how do sons of God behave? Wear that nature. Hallelujah. New realities, new creations and truths. So you have to feed yourself, find out much of who God's, uh, find out of much of what God has done for you in Christ, and that you are new creation in Him. In Second, in Second Corinthians two verse, Second um, Corinthians five verse seventeen, it says, "Behold, behold, He is a new creation. Behold means pay attention." Take a look at this. Is a new creation. What does new creation mean? I've explained this to you several times. It means a new species, a new breed of man. And that is who you are in Christ. Hallelujah. Say, I'm a son of God. This is who I am in Christ. This is my reality. This is my reality. And I walk in the newness of life. Hallelujah. Did you learn something? Now go ahead and share with your neighbor what you learned this evening. Share with your neighbor what you learned.